We are going to start Romans chapter 5 today, but we're going to, we're going to look a little bit, just overlap a little bit in Romans chapter 4. And we'll, we'll read from verse 22, Romans 4.22. Therefore it was also credited to him as righteousness. Now, not for his sake only was it written that it was credited to him, but for our sake also to whom it will be credited as those who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He who was delivered over because of our transgression and was raised because of our justification. He says that these things were written, that it was credited to Abraham as righteousness, not just for his sake, but for our sake also. In verse 24, for our sake also to whom it will be credited as those who believe in Him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. When we take hold of the Word of God and believe it, there is great blessing and it is credited as righteousness. The object of our faith is God, the same as it was for Abraham. The content of our faith is different. He had to believe that he was going to have a son. For us, we need to believe that He has been risen from the dead. That Jesus Christ rose from the dead. That's why that is the fundamental part of our faith. That is the fundamental part. There's all sorts of things in the Bible that we come to believe as we get to know and love God all the more. But it's not believing in Adam and Eve. It's not believing even in the virgin birth that brings the salvation. It is believing in the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. His Lordship and His resurrection. That is the fundamental of our faith. And it's on that that we get credited with righteousness. Okay, so now let's start reading chapter 5 of the book of Romans, reading from verse 1. Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom also we have obtained our introduction by faith into His grace, in which we stand, and we exult in hope of the glory of God. And not only this, but we also exult in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance, and perseverance proven character, and proven character hope. And hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts, through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. For while we were still helpless, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one would hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for a good good man someone would dare even to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. For if, while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his Son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only this, but we also exult in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. So what we studied is that everything was locked up under sin. 
everything, the wrath of God was going to be revealed. If you look at chapter 1, verse 18, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. That's the wrath of God. And then he talked about that there's hope. There's hope and there's justification. And the justification doesn't come by law. It comes by faith. It always comes by faith. When we trust and believe God. So when Jesus said, when Jesus said that, that, uh, uh, that I trust Him. He trusts His Father. John 8, 26. When He speaks of His trust in His Father. He who has sent me is trustworthy. I want you to remember this. It is a steadfastness of trust. Lots of things come at us in life. And we're taken off guard. This happens, this happens. And we have to remember, I trust Him. I trust Him. It is a matter of trust. And in that faith, we are justified. When we believe in Him who has risen from the dead. Now in chapter 5, what He's going to do is He's going to extend it. Okay, He's he's delivered us, but how about for the future? Is he secure for us? Is, is our, secu- our future secure with him as well? <clears throat> Chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, that's what he talked about. Now we've been justified by faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have now peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. This is no small thing. Why should, why should we be at peace with God? Do we deserve peace with God? No, we don't deserve it. But the Bible says we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have peace through Jesus Christ. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You see why I keep pushing this whole thing about Jesus over and over again? Every good thing comes to us because of Jesus. God's peace with us comes through the prism of Jesus Christ. It is all about Jesus. We cannot worship Jesus enough. We cannot praise Him enough. We cannot admire Him enough. We cannot look to Him enough as our Savior, as our Lord, as our sustenance of everything. All good comes to us through the Son. It all comes through Jesus Christ. Our peace with God comes through Jesus Christ. His wrath is revealed. We read in chapter 1, verse 18. His wrath is revealed. That's all we deserve is His wrath. But peace comes through His Son, through Jesus Christ. It is a beautiful thing and it comes through Jesus Christ. If it were not for Jesus, there would be no peace for us. Verse 2, through whom also. So the end of verse 1 was our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 2, through whom also. Who's the whom? It's Jesus. Through Jesus also. Through whom also. We have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand. Wow. Remember I told you every good thing comes through Jesus? Here it is again. Through whom, the whom is Jesus, through whom also we have obtained our introduction through faith. We have an introduction through faith, our introduction through faith into this grace in which we stand. There is now a grace that comes upon us. Remember, what is grace? Grace is an undeserved gift. We have an undeserved gift that comes upon us through Jesus Christ, and that is the grace in which we stand. So what is it for me for the future? 
Can I stand in this? And the answer is yes, because it's because of Jesus. If it were up to me, I would not be able to stand in this. If it were up to you, you would not be able to walk in this. But it's not up to us anymore. What he's saying, he's projecting out in the future now. He's saying, and you're going to stand because of Jesus. Because of Jesus, you will remain in a state of peace with his Father. It will never be lifted from you. This is again a testimony of eternal security. If our eternal security were based upon us and our actions, I guarantee you, none of us would get to heaven. Our eternal security is not based upon us. It is based upon Jesus Christ. It is introduced to us by Jesus. Jesus says, come on, let me introduce you. By faith, you're going to take hold of this thing, and your future is secure. It is secure in Jesus Christ. Your future is secure because of Him. He says it, it, it is obtained, we have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace, this undeserved gift in which we stand. So as we go through this, we see that uh, we have peace first of all, and now we have grace. We have peace, we have grace, so peace was in verse 1, grace in verse, is in verse 2, and we stand in this grace. And it says we exalt. That means we have joy. We have joy. It's not exalt, it's not E-X-A, it's exalt. So we have joy in hope of the glory of God. So we have, we have uh, peace, we have grace, we have hope of the glory of God. In hope of the glory of God. So this hope is for the future. He's projecting this thing out right into the future. We just, this amazing hope we have. The hope is not based on ourselves. It is all based on the grace of God. It is all based, this hope of the glory of God. Then there's this interesting verse in Colossians chapter 3 verse 4. It says, Colossians 3 4, when Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with Him in glory. So in other words, when Jesus is revealed, His children are going to be revealed with Him. You say, well, what if the child is dead and gone? They're going to be revealed with Him in glory. We are going to be revealed with Him. Look at what He does. I mean, He's the King. He's going to be revealed. And what does He choose to do? He chooses to reveal His children along with Him. This is great. You know, I, uh, um, my grandchildren are visiting from Israel. I haven't seen them in almost two years. And uh, um, uh, so, so their mom is real sensitive about them. That she doesn't want them exposed to big crowds and stuff. So, so that's why they're not here. If that were not the case, they would be right here with me. Because I'm so proud of them, I would want you to see them. That's what Jesus is with us. He's so proud of us. When He comes revealed in His glory, He's like, I want you to see my family. That's what it says. When He is revealed, He says, then you also will be revealed with Him in glory. And the beautiful thing about Colossians chapter 3, verse 4, when Christ, who is our life, our life is in Jesus. Christ, who is our life. Christ is our life. Jesus is our life. He's everything to us. We live, we breathe, we exist because of Jesus. Christ, who is our life. 
When He's revealed, we're going to be revealed with Him in glory. You see how gracious He is? How gracious He is. And He says, our hope in which we stand, we exalt in hope of the glory of God. He's projecting this out for the future. You're good for the future, He says. Now, He's going to prepare us for the future. Because Paul knows something about suffering. And I know you've all suffered. What does Paul know about suffering compared to what you've been through? Well, let's just check what Paul might have been through. Let's see if he knows anything about suffering. Um, uh, does he know anything about suffering? Um, let me let, let's let's go through this list here. Okay, so Second Corinthians chapter eleven. Second Corinthians chapter eleven, verse twenty-three, and compare his list of suffering to what you've been through. Second Corinthians chapter eleven, verse twenty-three. Are they servants of Christ? They speak as if insane. I'm more so. In far more labors, in far more imprisonments. I ask you, how many, how many times have you been imprisoned for your faith? Oh, none here today? Oh, okay. So, in far more imprisonments, beaten times without number. How many times have you been beaten for your faith? Oh, nobody here? Okay. Times without number, often in danger of death. Five times I received from the Jews 39 lashes. 39 lashes. So the Jews were allowed to to uh, uh, execute penalty upon people according to the Mosaic law of 40 lashes. 40 lashes. This was very different than the Roman scourging, which there was no limit on that. There was 40 lashes were the limit. But they would only give 39 lest they miscounted and exceeded 40. They didn't want to be judged by God. So they would stop it at 39. They always tried to, to pull it back by one. <clears throat> so th- five times he was beaten for his faith by the Jews. Three times I was beaten with rods. So on three occasions he was beaten with rods that may well have been by the Gentiles because it was different than the Jewish punishment. Uh, um, once I was stoned. And you can read about that stoning that where he was this is different than when people say they're stoned today. Back then when they said they were stoned, it means that rocks were thrown at them. And he was stoned to death and then he raised back, he was raised back up. Three times I was shipwrecked. You think, um, Lord, I've been through a shipwreck before. You don't have to take me through another. And he goes through another. And then the third one's coming. Lord, <laughs> haven't I gone through enough shipwrecks? A night and a day I have spent in the deep. Have you ever spent a night and a day in the deep? You know, wondering if sharks were going to come and take your legs off? A night and a day I've spent in the deep. I've been on frequent journeys in dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my countrymen, dangers from the Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers on the sea, dangers among false brethren. I've been in labors and hardship through many sleepless nights, in hunger and thirst, often with food, without food, in cold and exposure. Apart from external things, there's the daily pressure of me of concern for all the churches. Who is weak without my being weak? Who's led into sin without my intense concern? So he had the daily pressures that we all go through in life. He had that of all the churches were on him. When people were weak, he felt their weakness. When they were led into sin, it was with his deep concern. And you see, all of this came against him. And so when people tell me, oh, I've just gone through such persecution, I'm like... I don't see any blood. 
Where's the blood? Because in Hebrews it says you've not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood. That is the initiation for persecution. We have not been persecuted to the point of shedding blood. We've not been persecuted in Bible framework. Somebody may have hurt our feelings. That's not persecution. That's getting your feelings hurt. All right? We, what we have been through is kindergarten. Um, compared to persecution. So this guy's really gone through, and what he's warning them now, is he's warning them up front of the persecution that they've gone through, and he's able to speak about persecution. So, in chapter 5 of the book of Romans, verse, uh, um, verse 3, and not only this, but we also exult in our tribulations. We exult in our tribulations. Exult means joy. We exult in our tribulations. So we had peace, in verse 1, grace and hope. In verse 2, in verse 3, we have tribulations. This is this is the fourth thing we're going to get. He warns them right up front. You come to know the Lord, you're going to get, you're going to have peace, you're going to have, uh, 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 you're going to have grace, you're going to have hope, but you're also going to have tribulations. Knowing that our tribulations bring about perseverance, and perseverance proven character, and proven character hope, and hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. There is this amazing thing that happens, he says, through tribulations. And he he never says, everything's going to go well in Christian life. Just the opposite. He says, you're going to have tribulations. And we exalt, meaning we have joy in our tribulations. You have joy? Why do you have joy in your tribulations? He says, because of this. We have joy in our tribulations, knowing that tribulations bring about perseverance. Perseverance, proven character. This is Christian character that, that, that Peter talks about. Uh, uh, proven character and, and proven character, hope. We all know that by the things we go through, it makes us tougher. It helps us. So when I entered a discipleship program in college, my last two years of college, I, I was lived in a discipleship program. And I slept on a floor for a year with a sleeping bag. And it was freezing in Syracuse, New York. And the, the, the heater would go out every night. It toughened me up. It made me better. I learned to live in a house with nine other Christian guys, and we had two bathrooms, but the the toilet worked in one of the bathrooms and the shower in the other. And so, you know, I learned through this. I learned how to live, with, you know, in, in, in ways that I, I never had to, to grow up with like that. You know, so so I remember one day our, our roof was leaking in our home, and Shireen just put a bucket under it, and she says, oh, our roof always leaked in Pakistan. You know, some women would be neurotic, but she grew up with leaking roofs and so it didn't faze her. And I remember another year our, our water heater went out and the kids were little and so she was just warming water on the stove. And so then she would mix that with the, the regular cold water that comes out and she says, oh, we didn't have hot water in Pakistan, this is the way we did it. And so, you know, so she's been through this, so her character's been proven, so she didn't have to get neurotic like mothers get because they don't have hot water. It didn't bother her at all. It bothered me, but it didn't bother her. Uh, um, so things that we go through in life, they prepare us for things later on. This is what he says. When you go through tribulations, when you go, he says, we, we exalt. Oh, another tribulation. Yes. 
That's what exalting in tribulation means. He says we exalt in our tribulation because now we're going to get more perseverance. Perseverance is going to bring proven character. And proven character, we have hope. And then we can project out to hope that God's going to be delivering us. And he says in verse 5, And hope does not disappoint. Hope does not disappoint. Because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts. It's poured out. So God's love isn't just... It's poured out. God's love is poured out on us. It's poured out on our hearts. Through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. When we come to Christ, the Holy Spirit comes into our life. That is the deal. The Holy Spirit comes in. Now we can resist that Holy Spirit and get into all sorts of trouble. But the Holy Spirit is there. And the Holy Spirit doesn't go away. We may not sense the Holy Spirit. As we yield to Him and obey Him, we sense Him all the more. And we have, and we'll see it in this book. We have two natures within us. We have ourself and we have the nature that God, the new nature that God has given us. And there's this warring in our lives all the time. And Paul speaks about this. And Paul talks about this warring nature within himself. So this duality that you, you, you have, this is Christian life. But the tribulations, he says, it brings us, it brings us this hope. You know, he doesn't ever guarantee to keep us from troubles. On the contrary, He tells us, for sure we will have troubles. He doesn't deliver us from troubles, but He delivers us from the despair of troubles. That He does. He delivers us from this despair. That He does. So if you look in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7 onward. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7 through 11. He says, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels so that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not from ourselves. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not despairing, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always caring about in the body the dying of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifest in our body. For we who live are constantly being delivered over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifest in our mortal flesh. I am sitting here very comfortably. I have no pain in my body at this instant. I have no threat upon my life at this instant. Jesus says that whatever we go through in life, His grace is sufficient for us. His grace is sufficient. And I know that when I'm sitting comfortably, I can say this. But I know the truth of what the scriptures testify. That no matter what we go through, His grace is sufficient. That's why He says, He says, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. We're perplexed. Like, what's going on here? But we're not despairing. What He guarantees to do is to deliver us from the despair of suffering. He delivers us from the despair of suffering. We are not despairing. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7 through 11. 2 Corinthians 4, 7 through 11. We do not despair. That is the beautiful thing. And he warns us up front, you got troubles coming. That's what he's warning them. He says, and in the midst of that, God is there. The hope is there, 
and and hope does not disappoint because God's love is poured out in your hearts. And that's why very often in tribulation, we sense the love of God all the more. The love of God very often we sense all the more in tribulation. Because when tribulation comes, that's when God's love is poured out. God's love is poured out in the midst of tribulation. Now if you look in chapter chapter 5 of Romans, verse 6. For while we were still helpless, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one would hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for a good man someone would dare even to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So look at the description that he has for us. Verse 6. While we were still helpless. So his description for us is helpless. Helpless, which means I can't help myself. Then he says, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. Describes us as helpless and ungodly. And then in verse 8, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Helpless, ungodly sinners. That is what we are. Helpless, ungodly sinners. And Christ comes and he says, I want that one. Did you know Jesus did not die for the godly? If you are godly, go get your religion somewhere else. This is not here. It's not here. Jesus never died for the godly. He died for the ungodly, helpless sinners. And that's the beautiful thing about this faith for me. That's exactly where I am. Helpless, ungodly sinner. Jesus, oh, that's you? That's the one I came for. Helpless, ungodly sinners. That's the ones I came for. Not the ones who were cleaned up, but helpless, ungodly sinners. That's the ones that I came for. Those are the ones for me. Those are the ones that I want. So what he does is he looks around for helpless, ungodly sinners, and he says, I'm going to go after that one. And he says in verse 6, For while we were still helpless, at the right time Christ died for us. The sense of this is, at the right time is, that this was the right time. This was the last time there was no hope. Had Jesus not died at that point in history, there would have been no hope for humankind. God would have wiped us out. And at the right time, at the perfect time, at the last moment... He sent His Son to die. And that extended God's mercy all through His Son. That is at the right time, at the perfect time. Had He not come at that time, human race would have been doomed. At the right time, Jesus came. That's the sense that you get from the reading of this, from what scholars have interpreted this. I'm not a Greek scholar. That's their interpretation of this. At the right time. That is the last time. That is the instant in eternity that Christ had to die or else God's justice would have wiped out the human race. At the right time, God, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Then he says, for one would hardly die for a righteous man, although for a good man someone might die. He says, okay, once in a while someone might die for someone who's good. 
But God demonstrates His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He demonstrated His love. He doesn't merely come and say, I love you. He demonstrates His love by taking His child, His Son, whom He really loves, and allowing Him to give Himself for us. Imagine this, taking the one whom you love the most and allowing this child whom you love the most to die for another. That's what God did. And what he does is he proves, he proves this by, by, he proves the lesser by proving the greater. He proves the lesser by proving the greater. In other words, he shows something extreme, and in this he says, now you can trust the lesser. He says, look, Christ died for sinners. Christ died for sinners. Now I'm going to show you how much he loves you now, that you're no longer just a bunch of, of worthless, helpless sinners. How much he's going to take care of you in the future. If he died for you while you were unrighteous sinners, how much more is he going to take care of you now? All right. So he is going to prove that he's going to take care of us in the future by underscoring that he took care of us when we were utterly lost. This is a typical rabbinical method. And Jesus used this method himself. If you look in, in, in Matthew chapter 9, Jesus used this method. He proved the lesser by doing something greater. He proved the lesser by doing something greater. And, and uh, uh, so when they brought to him a paralytic, Jesus says to this, this paralytic in Matthew chapter 9, verse 2 through 8, he says to this paralytic, he says, he saw their faith, he said, your sins are forgiven. And the Pharisees started saying, how can this man forgive sins? Now, then he says to them, he, he, he says, uh, um, he said, your sins are forgiven. Or to say, and then he says, why are you thinking evil in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk? Now, we know that having our sins forgiven is a greater thing than being able to walk. But, being able to, he says, which is, he, he says, he says, uh, which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or get up and walk. In other words, I can say, everybody in this room is forgiven. Forgiven today and forever. Nobody can prove me wrong. How are you going to prove me wrong? But, if there's a person here who cannot walk, and I say, get up and walk, you're going to be like, whoa, how did he do that? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to rise and walk? And Jesus says in verse 6 of, of Matthew chapter 9, But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, then he said to the paralytic, Get up, pick up your bed, and go home. And he went up and he picked, and, and he went home. But when the crowd saw it, they were awestruck, and they glorified God who had given such authority to men. Well, why didn't they glorify God when he said, Your sins are forgiven? I mean, that's a great thing. But they weren't impressed by it. Because a person could say, your sins are forgiven. Okay, now what? But when he says, get up and walk. So you see, Jesus now proved the lesser thing to say, your sins are forgiven, by doing the greater thing, saying, rise up and walk. 
And so this is exactly what Paul is doing. He's saying, look, he did all this for you while you were yet sinners. In verse 9, much more than, Matthew, uh, Romans chapter 5 verse 9, much more than, having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. In other words, you're going to be saved to come. So in, in other words, he, he did this for you while you were a sinner. He's going to take care of you now that he's, you're his child. Verse 10, for if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. You see, he says much more than. This is the typical rabbinical way. He proves the lesser by showing the greater. He's already forgiven us while we were yet sinners. For sure He will take care of you now. For sure He'll take care of you now. You saw that He saved you. Now for sure He's going to take care of you while you were His child. This is again just underscores this eternal salvation that He has for us. There is no way that He's going to let the enemy take, take, take us from Him. Can a person walk in rebellion? Absolutely. What do they lose out on? They lose out upon joy on here on earth. And they lose out on many eternal blessings, but they won't lose out on their salvation. That's the teaching of Scripture. And he says in, in verse 5, For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son, much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. And not only this, but we also exult, meaning we have joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. We have, we, we exalt in God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Exalt means joy. We have joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ. How do you get to enjoy God? Even that's through Jesus. Even our joy is through Jesus. You can't even have joy. I can't even have joy in God without Jesus. He opens the door for everything. We exalt in God through Jesus. We can't even enjoy God without Jesus. He's too far off. He's too great. He's too magnanimous for us. It's only through Jesus that we can have joy in God. Everything we have is in Jesus Christ. We cannot praise Him enough. Every good thing has come through His Son. Everything comes through the prism of Jesus. I urge you this day, if you do not know Him, please come and talk to me. I will tell you about Jesus today. If you're online, you send me an email. Just send me an email. Tour at rice.edu. Just send me an email. I will be glad to share with you by a Zoom call. And you'll come to know Jesus that very day. If you're here, please come and talk to me. I'll share with you about Jesus and you'll come to know Jesus today. Today, like right now, it'll happen. And uh, and come to know this joy that you can have in God through Jesus. Let's pray. Oh Lord, I thank and I praise you. I thank you, Lord Jesus, because even our joy comes through you. I thank you that while we were helpless, ungodly sinners, you reach and you save us. And much more so now, you will protect us and our salvation is sure in you. 
And we can have joy in you. And we have peace. And we have blessing in you. And we have tribulation without despairing. Thank you, Lord, that we do not despair. It's because of Jesus. Because of Jesus, oh Lord, you are the best, the best, the best in every way. So wonderful is Jesus. We have joy in knowing God through Jesus. Thank you for doing that, Lord. Father, I pray for the lost, that you would turn their hearts to your Son. Turn them to Jesus this day. Turn them to Jesus. And Father, for the believers who are here, that they would learn to love you all the more, that they would learn to love Jesus all the more. And if they love the Son all the more, the favor of the Father is all the greater. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you would even take your children and display them when you come in all your glory. Thank you, Lord God, that you love us so much. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name, O Lord. Lord, you are so good. Glory, glory, glory to our Lord Jesus Christ forever and ever. Glory be to his name. Amen.